0: This journey through the story. The story is His story. It's God's story. It's the greatest story ever told. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to keep going through His story and understanding the greatest story ever told. You know, every week when you come in, I want you to look, you know, we've got these posters that we're putting up to remind you of what we've, where we've been. We started with creation and the date, you know, we don't have a date up there. Some people believe it's around 4000 BC, but we had creation and then we had God building a nation through a man named Abraham. And then we learned about Joseph. And last week we learned about the deliverance and how God used a man named Moses. You know, the story is, is it's, it's excerpts from the Bible. Some guys took, took, took excerpts from the Bible to bring it all together to give you a big picture. And I want to encourage you to keep going in that. Now for some of you this may seem a little bit elementary, that you know, it's missing so much of of what's actually there, and and there's truth to that. That that it, it is missing some of that. So what I want to challenge you with is is get your Bible out and find the times the the areas that that aren't covered in here and read them yourself, and dig in and learn because I'm learning new things every week as I study. You know, I'm or being refreshed and reminded of of things that, that I had forgotten, but it's really important that you, that you, that you hang in there and that you work through this, this old Testament with us. You know, a lot of people, when they, when they start, well, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Uh, usually when they get, they get to Genesis and Exodus, they do really good. But man, when you get to Leviticus, it's just like, oh, uh, But you got to hang with me here. You got to walk through this because you have to understand this stuff in order for the New Testament to make sense. Because you see, the New Testament is built on the foundation of the Old Testament. And if you don't understand the Old Testament, you don't understand the events of the Old Testament and the characters of the Old Testament. If you don't understand the laws and the sacrificial system that we will read about here in the Old Testament, when you read things in the New Testament, they won't make sense like they do if you understand this. And you know, nobody starts reading the book right, in, a book right in the middle. How many times do you pick, how many of you read Lord of the Rings and he started in the middle? And you worked your way to no, you always start in the beginning so you understand what's going on. You've got to understand. You've got to walk through this, and 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 it will be a great journey, and you will learn so much. And and I guarantee you this: that if you put, if you pour yourself into this, if you give yourself to the reading of the story and of, of God's word, you will. Understand the New Testament much much better, and it will be much richer when you start reading it. And so so hang with us and 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 engage yourself because it's only as good as what you make it. And so I want to really encourage you. To put yourself into this, and, and God will show you lots of really interesting things and new things about His Word. Today, we're continuing with a with a guy named Moses, who God used to to deliver the children of Israel, who had been in Egypt for 400 years, out of bondage and into a new country, and he was building a new nation. But, but as we will see. These people are, man, they're they're a tough bunch. They don't want to do what Moses asked them to do. They don't want to do what God asks them to do. But what we will see today is that God is again desiring to dwell with his people. Remember back in the garden, it says God dwelt with Adam and Eve. He walked with them in the cool of the day. But because they chose to sin, because they chose to go against what what he desired, sin entered the world and therefore God removed himself from the garden. Now, God would still continue to interact with his people, but it was at a distance. It would be at a distance that he interacted with people at different times. But what we will see today here in Exodus 19 is is God desiring to again dwell with his people, to come down and to be among them. So the children of Israel, if you would turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. So these children of Israel, they have, they've crossed the Red Sea and they've seen God do great things. They've seen manna fall from the sky and God's been feeding them. And so they they come to Mount Sinai and here God is ready to do something great. And in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3. It says, then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob. Now remember what the house of Jacob is? That is Israel. Those are the sons of, of Jacob who was renamed Israel. And what you are to tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought your, you To myself. Now, if you obey me fully and you keep my command, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Sounds like a pretty great uh, promise here, doesn't it? That that all they need to do is to obey the things that that they've seen this incredible, you know, they've seen this incredible God doing great things. All they need to do is to obey what He says, and He will make them. They will be His most treasured possession. So Moses, he says, he went back in verse seven. He summoned the elders and the people, and he set before them what the Lord had said. It says, the people all, they heard what Moses said and they're like, we will do everything that the Lord has said. So it says, Moses went back up. And he said, God, you know, I've talked to these people. They said, they will do whatever you ask them to do. Things are going pretty good here. But then God says, look, I will come and dwell among you. But there are three things that God wanted from his people before he would come down to be with them. He said, if I'm going to dwell with you, then this is what I expect. First thing he says is you need to live by a set of guidelines. And we find that in Exodus chapter 20. You see, God had envisioned when He created man He had cre- envisioned a community where people treated each other with respect and with dignity. He imagined a place where where people would love one another and they would love him but But as Adam and Eve were created and 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 Cain and Abel and God began to see something very different. He saw how people were cruel to each other. He saw people being disrespectful and hurtful. He had seen how people treated each other and it wasn't good. And so here in Exodus chapter 20, he introduces instructions on how they were to treat each other. We know them as the Ten Commandments. But, you know, as, as human beings, we don't like rules. We don't like to be told what to do. I remember as a young kid, you know, when I would read scripture and my mom I would go to church, you know, I would always think, you know, God just doesn't want me to have fun. You know, why shouldn't I drink and why shouldn't I do this and why shouldn't I do that? Why should I wait for sex until I'm married? Why, why, why? God, you're just no fun. We don't like rules. You know, when, when once I was a parent and, and, and we, we set some rules for our children. They didn't always like them. We didn't give them rules because because we wanted to be mean and we wanted to, to squelch their 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 fun. We gave them rules because we loved them and we wanted what was best. You know, we we always told our children, You've got you've got one hour of TV. That's all you're going to get. Now, was that because, because we, we didn't like them? No, it's because we knew there were much better things for them to, to spend their time doing than sitting in front of the TV all day long. And God is the same way with us. You know, the reason that God sets these rules before us the reason that he was setting them before the children of Israel was because he knew this was what was best. He knew that if they followed what he asked them to do, there would be joy in their life. Their marriages would be good. Their relationships with their children would be good. Their relationship with each other would be good. They would have a fruitful, for productive life. And so that's what we see. And so often we don't look, we want rules for everybody else, but we don't want rules for us. You know, we get mad at the, at the jerk that drives by us going 70 miles an hour. We think, man, you need to slow down. But then the next day we're the guy in a hurry and we're doing the same thing. We like rules for other people, but not so much for us. But God said, you're going to live by some guidelines. And he did that because he wants what's best for our relationship with him and with other people. So as we look at the commandments, he's addressing two relationships. Commandments one through four apply to our relationships with God. So here's what it says. It says, I am the Lord your God in verse two of of Exodus 20, who brought you out of Egypt Reminding them of who he is and what he had done for. He says, you must have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or beneath. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God am jealous. I'm a jealous God. Punishing children for their sin of their father to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who mis- misuses my name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So we see in these commands that God is addressing His our relationship with him. The children of Israel's relationship with him. He says, look, don't have any other gods before you. And the children of Israel, you know, they came out of Egypt where they had had many, many gods that they served. Many gods that they had created images to worship. And so they understood what he was talking about. He wants our hearts. He wants all of us to be focused on him. You know, that's what he's desiring. He doesn't want us to have to have him plus other things and other people he wants our soul focus to be on him yeah he says he is a he's a jealous god and, and what he means by that is is he is a god who accepts no rivals a god who is utterly and absolutely intolerant With sins against him. One thing that you see starting to come out here in in Exodus chapter 19 is the holiness of God. And that this holy God that we serve will, will, will accept nothing less than our best. And this holy God that we serve, sin cannot be in his presence. And we begin to see that more clearly here. He is a jealous God who wants all of us. He doesn't want us to have other gods. He doesn't want us to make gods that that we worship. And I believe here he was even saying, look, I don't want you to make images trying to replicate what I look like. Because I think that would have been their tendency as these people who had seen idol worship in Egypt. That they would have wanted to create an image of this holy God. Now commandments 5 through 10 focuses on our relationship with others. He says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live a long life. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his BMW or his Ford pickup. Or it doesn't say that, but, but do you get the idea here? Don't covet Don't desire the things that your neighbor has. So God set out. He said, these are some rules. These are some things you're going to have to follow if I'm going to come down and be with you. The second thing he says, he says, you're going to need to build a place for me to dwell in. You see, God was going to come down, but he said, I need a place to stay. And so while Moses is up on the mountain, he gives God gives Moses a building plan for a tabernacle. In Exodus chapter twenty five, now we're skipping ahead to it in verse eight says, he says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern that I will show you. Then we see in, in chapters 25 through 31, we see God telling Moses exactly what he wanted this tabernacle to look like. And this tabernacle would be full of, of all kinds of furniture. And, and, and so he gives him a very specific plan of what he wants. And here's something I find interesting he said, have them gather, he says, um, in, 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 he, "He says, bring all of your offerings to this one place in verse 3 of 25. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and goat hair. Ram skin, dyed red, hides, sea cows, achaea wood, olive oil. Now let me ask you a question. This was about three months after they had left Egypt. These people had been in bondage and slavery for 400 years. Where in the world were they going to get all of this stuff? I mean, as slaves, they wouldn't have, have had jewelry or, or all this fine linen. Where did they get that? Well, do you remember when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt? God said, the people are going to give you all this stuff. The Egyptians are going to give you gold. They're going to give, and so, so what they're using here, here to build a tabernacle is the belongings of the Egyptian people. I just find that very, very interesting. So Moses is up on the mountain. He's getting all of these instructions from the Lord for the children of Israel. And remember, back in, in, verse, in, in chapter 19, when, when, when Moses came back and said, hey, do you guys want to serve? Will you serve this holy God? They were like, absolutely, we will serve him. Now, let's go forward. Moses has been up on the mountain um, collecting all this information from God as to, to how they were to, to live when God was among them. Now, you would think that they would be down there and they would just be waiting for Moses to come back. You know, they'd seen God do all of this work, just waiting for him to come back for this instruction on what they were to do. But let's look at chapter 32. Moses had been up on the mountain for 40 days. And in verse 7, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have been corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. And they have made for themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it. And I have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who you brought up out of Egypt. So within 40 days of telling God that, yes, we will serve you, they were worshiping idols. They had fallen back into the practices that they had been involved in while they were in Egypt. It didn't take them very long to fall back into their old practices. And, you know, as I was thinking about how is that like we are, you know, we'll be on fire for God one day and we'll be serving, we'll be reading, we'll be, we'll be in tune with God. And and then slowly other things begin to take priority and precedence. And, and then we start going this direction. We get busy with this and we get busy with that. And pretty soon we're sort of in a fog. And before long, before we know it. We've got idols in our life. We've got things that we're serving. Things that we are worshiping. As Margie talked about this morning. That disgusts a holy God. You know, we look at the children of Israel and and we say, how could they do that? And yet we're as guilty as they are. At times... When it comes to worshiping idols. Putting other things before a holy God. Let me ask you. What things are in your life right now. That are more important than God. Because I believe God is as, is as sickened by those things that, 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 that enter into our lives. As he was with the children of Israel. When he saw them building a golden calf. And we see in, in, in Exodus chapter 32. Verse 9. We see God's anger. Verse 9 he says. I have seen these people. And they are stiff necked people. And he tells Moses, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And he says, and then Moses, I will make you into a great nation. So he's basically wanting to wipe out the children of Israel because he is so disgusted by their worship of things other than himself. But then I love, this is one of my favorite parts of of, of scripture uh, and of Moses' interaction with God. Moses says, well, you know, God, you may not want to do that. Moses sought the Lord's favor and he said, Lord, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out? Basically saying, look, God, if you, if you kill them, the Egyptians are going to really have a heyday with this. And so, so, so Moses, Moses communicates with God and, 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 and these were the people that had given Moses so much grief. I would have thought Moses would have said, go right ahead. Let's start over. But Moses doesn't. Moses says, God, can can we rethink this? And so God says, yeah, we'll do that. So Moses has interceded so that God wouldn't wipe out the children of Israel who had rebelled against him. So Moses is coming down out of the mountain now. Um, checking out to see what's going on. It says in 20, verse 25 of chapter 32. It says when Moses saw the people running wild. And that Aaron had let them out of control. And so became the laughing stock of their enemies. He stood at the entrance of the, camp, of the camp. And said whoever is for the Lord come to me. Now can you imagine what the people felt when they saw Moses coming back and they saw the disgust. And so Moses, and again, remember God's holiness does not accept things like this. And, and so it says here that Moses got, got a bunch of guys together. He says, whoever's for the Lord come to me and all the Levites rallied to him. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, each man strap a sword on his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, killing each brother, his friend, and his neighbor. Kill the people that, that have taken part in this. God will not stand for this kind of action. And says 3,000 people were put to death in one day. And and not only that, Moses, he crushed this calf. He ground up all the the, the gold and and made it into dust and, and put it in the water and made him drink it. Kind of odd. But these are the things that Moses did. But then, in verse 30, it says, The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. But he says, I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And Moses introduces to the children of Israel this idea of atonement. This idea of of covering of sin. Because see, there was a third thing that, that God would require Before he would come down to dwell with his people. You see, sin will need to be atoned for by the shedding of blood. You see, God wanted desperately to to, to dwell with the people that he had created. But there was a gap between his holiness and the sinfulness of the people that had, had to be overcome. Because he is a holy God. There had to be atonement made for their sinfulness. You know, even even once the tabernacle was built, after it was complete, no one could enter his presence. You know, the priests had to go through this cleansing process before they entered the holy place. But God devised a way. He put a plan in place for his people so that, so that sin could be atoned for. So that their sin could be covered. So that he could come and dwell among them. And as you read through the book of Leviticus you will see God putting in place this sacrificial system. A very complex way of atoning for sin. A very complex system of sacrifice. Again, that is all pointing forward to a perfect sacrifice that was coming. But God was saying here, look, I want to come and do life with you. But, but sin separates us. And the only thing that will cover your sin is, is the death of a, of a spotless lamb. You're going to have to, 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 to find the most perfect lamb you can find a lamb that hasn't done anything that is innocent of your sin and you're going to have to take that animal and you're going to have to to put it to death because its its blood will cover your sin and it doesn't really seem fair does it that that this lamb that hasn't done anything wrong would have to lose its life because of their sin. But that was the only way that God would dwell with them. It was the only way for their sin to be covered. You see, I can't, I can't get rid of my own sin. The children of Israel couldn't atone. They couldn't cover their own sin. Something had to take its place. And it was the blood of this lamb who had done nothing wrong. But this lamb that, that is introduced here in, in, in the book of Leviticus. Would only be this sacrificial system. Was only a temporary fix. Because one day another lamb would come, and that other lamb has come. Jesus became our one sin for all sacrifice. He became that lamb, that innocent, spotless lamb that died for your sins and for my sins. Because you see, God still today wants to live life with us. He wants to live life with you. He wants to come down and and be with us. He wants relationship with us. And yes, there are still rules today. And yes, there is still a, a need for him to have a place to dwell. The Bible says we are his temple. And yes, there still needs to be a sacrifice for sin. And that sacrifice was Jesus. And so as we begin to understand. God's coming down and God putting in place. These. Rules. This tabernacle, a place where he would dwell. And this sacrificial system. He says, for me to come down, that's what has to happen. And God, it says, God came and dwelt with his people. And you'll read about that um, throughout um, the book of Leviticus and and at the end of Exodus, how God came and, 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 and filled the tabernacle. But you see, God still wants to be with us. He dwells among us today, but there are still rules. It's his word. We are his tabernacle. And Jesus is the one that atoned for our sins. But you have to enter into that relationship, submitting yourself to the same thing. But you need Jesus to cover your sin. And as we move forward in this story, you will continue to see a holy God whose sin cannot be in its presence, who will provide a way for people by the covering of their sins to have relationship with him. And as we get to the end of this story, you will see the perfect sacrifice. And you will see the perfect way that he will one day dwell with us. Let's pray. Stand with me. Father, I thank you for the beauty of this um, of this picture before us. Lord, as, as we as we read uh, the, the the account of of your desire to come down and to dwell with your people, and and we see um, the things that you, you you set before the children of Israel, and 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 yet, Lord, how beautifully you provided a way for us too to have relationship. Um, Lord, I thank you for. For the perfect sacrifice that was made through Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that that um, that we would all receive that. Uh, Lord, there there are people here that you see this morning that are still in sin that have not received the th- the, the 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 free gift through your son, Jesus. Of covering their self, of, of forgiving their sins so that you can dwell in them, do life with them. Lord, I, I just pray that that your spirit, you would be moving and working in those lives. Drawing them to yourself. And Lord, as, as a people who have for those that have, have made that commitment, that are are walking with you, have, have, have said that, yes, I will follow you. Lord, that we wouldn't lose sight of, of that relationship and we would continue to walk and continue to learn and to grow and to understand what it means to serve you and to do life with you. And Lord, through the way we live our lives, we would give you honor and glory. It's in your precious name that Jesus that we pray. Amen.